All right, so today is November the 12th, 2023. We're starting lesson number five of Nehemiah, which I have kind of titled the Jerusalem Project. And so basically that's, I've seen this, you know, in my life and seen a few other people talk about Nehemiah. But I think God just gave me the title, the Jerusalem Project, because that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, uh, and Jerusalem plays a major role in the Bible as well as uh, for uh, our God, because that's where he's going to set up his literal kingdom in Jerusalem. And so there's always turmoil going on over Jerusalem. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun, right? And you're thinking, oh, that was... That was uh, 2,500 years ago we're talking about here. And yet, 2,500 years later, we're seeing the same players having the same problems over the same city. And so it's just, uh, uh, when, when you hear people say, well, the Old Testament's irre- irrelevant, I can't say it, irrelevant to us. Here, I said that again. I shouldn't say it. It is. Is very important to us living on this side. So, uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, and I want to review just a little bit in chapter 3. And I just want to point this out. Uh, last week, and we, we saw a few things, and I think I was talking with Roger about them also, and it just kind of stirred stuff up in me. So, I always want to review just a little bit. So, the highlights I thought from last week was, I want everyone to notice that God takes notice of His servant's service. He takes notice of when we serve Him. And He takes notice of how we serve Him. And I know, I, I'm not talking about, let me talk about me. Some, sometimes I kind of serve grudgingly. I don't know, you guys don't do that. You're kind of, nobody in here has ever said, well, I wonder why I'm the only one doing this. Nobody else is doing this. I think, sure? I think we've all probably been there, you know. Uh, you know. But, you know, at the same time, you just got to realize, what did God do for us? What did Christ do for us? And so, but God takes notice of our service, but He also takes notice of our heart when we're serving Him. He wants a cheerful servant. And that's the, the approach we need to have because in, in chapter, uh, three of Nehemiah, He points out, the Word of God points out, you want to let Donna in? Great. Uh, the Word of God points out two people. And so, good to see you, Donna. Thank and uh, you. There, there's a handout back there. Hopefully, you can grab. So, we're just now starting. So, you're you're at the right time here. Last week's what? Handout? Yeah. I, I've, I, I'll make sure. That, you mean for Donna? Or for you? Oh, anyway. Here we are reviewing last week's. Real quick, a notice that God takes notice of His servant service. Forty-two groups are mentioned last week in the Word of God here in Nehemiah, chapter three, and in verse five of chapter three. Let's go there and read it. Chapter three and verse five says, "And next unto them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord." And so, what we're seeing here is the leaders of the group of the Tekoites. If, I, if I'm seeing that right, uh, they didn't work, or they didn't—they didn't put any effort in their work. And so I had to go back and do a little search. And so in your handout it says, verse five, that Tekoites repaired, and there's a blank there, and the blank is but. But goes in your blank. 
but their nobles did not put their necks to the work. Their leaders wasn't involved in it. Or wasn't involved much, okay? So I had to go back and look at who are these Tekoites. And so basically I find, I found out that they're from a certain city in Israel. And I know you guys were probably thinking that last week. Who are these guys, right? And so we're going to look at it today. So in your blank there, go ahead and jot down Second Samuel 14.2. Hold your hand in Nehemiah and let's go back and look at Second Samuel 14.2. Because I want to kind of nail down who these guys are. And, uh, because I, God took notice. And so we need to take notice. Second Samuel 14, 2. Yeah, it is. I'm having a hard time finding it myself. I'm all over the place. Second Samuel 14, 2 says this. And Joab sent to what? Where? To Koa, and fetch thence a wise woman, and said unto her, I pray thee, feign thyself to be a mourner, and put on now mourning apparel, and anoint not thyself with oil, but be as a woman that had a long time and mourned for the dead. So, uh, Joab has a little scheme going on here against the king, and he gets a woman from Tekoa. So that's the same, that's what a Tekoite is, from Tekoa, okay? So, uh, there are some very pronounced men from this city, and one of them is by the name of Ira. Anybody tell me in the Old Testament who Ira was? I know I'm putting you guys on the spot. I didn't, I really didn't expect anybody to know this. But Ira was a captain in David's army. In fact, he was one of David's mighty men. And so, again, I always, God puts things in His Bible for a reason because He wants us to know them. And when God lists somebody out in the Bible, we need to take notice. And so I'm just wondering, you know, is God writing uh, uh, a book about Christianity for the last 2,000 years? And if He is, would, would we be in the book? You know? And uh, uh, so let's go back and we can find this guy, Ira, in 2 Samuel. I think we're already there. 2 Samuel 23, 26. And we're going through a list here of David's mighty men. And so 2 Samuel 23:26 says, Helaz the Peltite and Ira the son of Ikesh the Tekoite. So here's another man from this city that would be one of these Tekoites and he was one of David's mighty men in his in his uh army. And that if you go back and look at David's mighty men, they were mighty men. I mean, these are guys that would take a sword out and take on people. And they'd take on a group of people. I mean, these guys were, were really mighty men. So the Tekoites are mentioned here in Nehemiah, but their nobles, their leaders, didn't really put the effort out. But we also see the Tekoites, which was mentioned, I think, from Roger last week. They're also mentioned in verse 27 of chapter 3. 
And so in 27, chapter uh, 3 and verse 27 in Nehemiah, it says, And after them the Tekoites repaired another piece over against the great tower that lieth out, even into the wall of Ophel. I think they are the only group mentioned twice in in this in this passage. And so my mind is like, okay, so why are they listed twice? Why are they listed as working on two different sections? You guys were probably thinking the same thing, right? I, I think I just have a weird mind, you know? I'm like, I'm, I read the Bible and I want to find an answer to something. I end up with more questions than the answer. But guess what? They're always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, uh, maybe, uh, maybe we're just not asking the right questions. But anyway, uh, they're mentioned twice and I got to thinking about that. And, uh, you know, this class is not one that, you know, we're going to all go around the room and tell us what you think this verse means. I don't, we don't do that here. I don't do that in my class. But I will ask questions of what you might think a particular verse means. And I hope that makes sense. So why do you think that the Decoites are mentioned in two different locations in the book of Nehemiah? And let me just throw this out. I don't know. I don't really have a good answer. Anybody in here got an insight? Why are they mentioned twice? Why are they divided up into two groups? I know I'm putting you on the spot again. Well, that's that's part of it, I think. Maybe it's two groups and they're not working together. My guess would be that there is a lot of them. Okay, there could be a lot of them. Uh, They don't work well together. Uh, I think it really goes back to what we got on the first verse uh, about their nobles. It says their nobles or their leaders didn't, didn't really put the effort in. So I think basically their leadership was not unified in getting the job done. But yet you saw the, the people in two groups getting the job done. I don't know. I'm just saying that when when your leaders are not involved in, in the mission, uh, either the, the workers are going to have to pick it up or it doesn't get done. Yeah. That's just how it goes. And so that was kind of my thought on that. Uh, so, uh, But God took notice. God took notice of them. And, and in verse 20 of chapter 3, we saw a man that uh, God kind of points out. And it says, And after him, Baruch the son of Zebai, earnestly repaired the other piece from the turning of the wall unto the door of the house of Leishab, the high priest. And the point I wanted to say is, he is the only man that says he earnestly repaired. Everybody else that just said, this group repaired this, this group repaired that. This particular man, God points out and says he earnestly did it. So I, you know, I'm looking up the word, what does earnestly mean? Well, it means with zeal. With purpose, with heart. So this guy was serving the Lord by building the wall and he was doing it with his whole heart. And God picked him out from all the rest of them. So again, uh, how's our service to the Lord? Yeah, we want to be that guy, don't we? We want to be that guy. We, We want to be the guy that's all out. And you know, sometimes I have to fight myself. Sometimes I'm like, my attitude's not always really good. 
And then I got to realize, okay, what did what did God do? What did Christ do for me? He went all out for me. I need to go all out for Him. And yet, there's times when we're on the mountaintop, and there's times when our lives were down low. And I, I wish I was always on the mountaintop and everything was going good and I had the right attitude and I'm in there and I'm serving, I'm doing what's right. But I'm not, but sometimes I'm not that guy. But I gotta fight to try to be that guy. So my whole point is in this chapter is what can we learn out of this chapter? We need to be like Baruch. We need to do things. We need to be serving the Lord with zeal and with our whole heart. Okay, so now we're up to chapter four. And so, uh, chapter four is, is you can pretty well write the same story in the newspaper today with what's going on over in Israel. So I want to read verses one through six and then we'll break that up for a minute. It says, uh, Nehemiah chapter four verse one says, but, again, watch out for those buts in the Bible, but it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria, apparently he has an army, and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. You know, I, I, I liken to this guy as a little weasel. You know that that he's a yes man. You know you always got the leader of the group, and you always got the yes man right there. You know, that's what this guy Tobiah is, and he's an Ammonite, which fits exactly with what they do. And he says, now Tobiah the Ammonite was with him, and he said, even that which they built, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Well, that's pretty sarcastic. Verse four: Hear, O our God. For we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity and cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof for the people had a mind to work. So I'm going to stop right there. So we saw we saw a... Uh, uh, change in verse 4 from Sanballat to now we're at Nehemiah and it just jumped just like that. It didn't even give us a paragraph marker. The context just kind of changed to a different person. So uh, we'll look at our little uh, sheet that we have here. So number one, everyone apparently has good hearing in this chapter because Sanballat hears what the Jews are doing. Okay? And he was wroth. He was filled with indignation and he mocked the Jews. We already saw him back in a previous chapter when, when he just found out that Nehemiah was coming over to check the welfare of the Jews. He had the same situ- he was mad about that. And so again, you gotta remember, he, he's a, he's a Ammonite, he's basically a Philistine, we'd call him a Palestinian, and they're just always mad. Aren't they? Okay. And so Sanballat, he was wroth, he's filled with indignation, he mocked the Jews. And here's what he says, basically, now I may paraphrase this a little bit. He says, number one, what do these puny Jews think that they're doing? Okay. Do they think that they can fortify themselves? Well, what's the answer? Yes. Yes. They're building a wall. 
to fortify themselves. And he goes, will they sacrifice and will they make an end in a day? Now, I have to tell you, I had to really stop and think about this for a little bit. What do these two things statements mean? I see what they say, but I mean, and, and really I want to say, what do they actually say? Will they sacrifice and will they make an end in a day? So, we've already, we're in the book of Nehemiah. The Jews had already come back in Ezra under Zerubbabel and also Ezra came after Zerubbabel was there. They had got the temple rebuilt and I'm assuming that after the temple got rebuilt under Zerubbabel, that they were back to sacrificing again. So what in the world does he mean when he says, will they sacrifice and will they make an end in a day? So what does... Okay, so... Stick to it. I think you're on to something. Will they make an end in a day? Will they stick to it for even a day? And are they going to sacrifice not animals, but their selves in working? That's what I'm getting out of this. Because making sacrifices of animals doesn't fit in the context. So he's making fun of the Jews and they're saying, well, these guys do, well, uh, what do they think they're doing, number one? Can they fortify themselves? And his answer is in his mind is they won't be able to do this. Okay. The answer is, yes, they will. Will they sacrifice, in which I'm assuming here is, will they make the sacrifice to build the wall or will they go home after a day's work? And will they make an end in a day? That's the only thing that fits the context. So again, he, he's making fun of the Jews. He's kind of thinking they're wimps, they're puny. They can't accomplish what they want to do. Who do they think they are? And, uh, you know... And, and the next thing on our list here says, will they revive the stones out of the rubble? And the answer is, yes, they will, but he's thinking they won't. And so Tobiah the Ammonite, you know, the yes man, he puts his dig in too. He goes, well, even if they do something, even a little fox would crawl on top of the wall, would knock it down. And so there's that sarcastic yes man that he is. And so that's, that's their part. Okay. And then Nehemiah hears, and as a result of Nehemiah hearing about Sanballat and his group, God hears. Okay? So, verse 4, when I said that the context changed between the two people, the next thing you see is, it's not Sanballat praying, it's Nehemiah praying. The very first thing it says here is, Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. It doesn't even mention that he hears, but you know he has to hear, because the first thing you see happen, he's praying. And that's the first thing that happens we should be doing. When we come across opposition in our life, and our service to the Lord specifically, we need to go to God in prayer. Because you know what? The battle's His. It's not ours. We're just, we're just uh, along for the ride. And verse, uh, uh, so Nehemiah's response. Did I read all the rest that I needed to? Yes. So he says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn the reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. So his response to hearing Sanballat's words was to take it to the Lord in prayer. That goes in your blanks. To take it to the Lord in prayer. Perfect example for us when I'm, I'm Second time I go around, I've said this. So Nehemiah's prayer was, number one, Hear, O God, for we are despised. 
He says, turn the reproach upon their own head. Give them for a prey in the land of captivity. Actually, Sanbal and his group are, are the outsiders here. They're in captivity. And even the Jews are too, but they're back in their homeland, but they're still under uh, the king of Persia at this point. And he says, cover not their iniquity and let not their sins be blotted out. Now, so far, that's not a real uplifting prayer, is it? It's a prayer like, God, uh, your enemy is my enemy and they're right here, so sick them. <laughs> that's kind of his prayer. He goes, and he goes, let not their sin be blotted. Don't forget about their sin and don't let it be put off. He says, they have provoked you. Remember, they have provoked you to anger. So he takes it back to the Lord and he says, Lord, this is your project. The, the Jerusalem project you put on my heart, but it was yours first. You're the one that's provided the means. You're the ones that provided me to get here. You're the ones that provided, uh, uh, the people. I mean, this is your project. And they're making fun of you. Wow. Like I said, Nehemiah goes just straight to the punch, man. He, he doesn't mess around. And he goes, this is basically your plan, God, and they're making fun of you. So, you know, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> okay. And so that's basically what we see in uh, uh, 1 through 6. On the second page, on number 2, it says, everyone continues to work. And we see here that in verse 6 that the wall was built how high? It doesn't say how high, does it? It does to a degree. It doesn't give us in feet and inches, but it does tell us about how much of the work was done. What's it, what, what do we come up with? Anybody find that? Half. half. So, okay, so they're basically half done. And so we see the wall was half height. We see that the sections were joined together. And the work was being completed. And a special note was given as to why the wall was being built so fast. Because verse 6 says, uh, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. So they put their backs in it. And they were getting the job done. And so perhaps they could remember what happened to the temple back under Ezra and Zerubbabel just, you know, a few years before. Because when Zerubbabel went back with the first wave, they were building the temple, but it, they were stopped. Remember the story? Okay. Well, if you don't remember the story, just back up one, one book to Ezra chapter 4 and let's look at it. Ezra chapter 4, this is just a few years before Nehemiah got there. There was a group that went back under Zerubbabel and Ezra kind of brought a second wave into that. But in Ezra chapter 4, and I want to start in verse 17. And we're talking about building the temple with the first wave that came back with Zerubbabel. Verse 17 says, Then sent the king an answer, and Rehum the chancellor, and Shimshay the scribe, and to the rest of their companions that dwelt in Samaria, and to the rest beyond the river, peace in at such a time. And the letter which you sent unto us have been plainly read before me. And I commanded, and search was, had been made, and it is found that the city 
talking about Jerusalem, of old time had made insurrection against kings and that rebellion and sedition have been made therein. There have been mighty kings also over Jerusalem, which have ruled over all countries beyond the river, and toll and tribute and custom was paid unto them. Give ye now commandment to cause these men to cease, and that this city be not builded until another commandment shall be given from me. Take heed now that ye should fail not to do this, and why should damage grow to the herd of the kings? Verse 23, Now when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Reham and Shimshay the scribe and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem and to the Jews and made them to cease by force and power. Then ceased the work of the house of God which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased into the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So the group under Zerubbabel went back and started to build the foundations to the temple and they had opposition trying to cause them to stop and the opposition sent letters back to the king, back to uh, the Persians and and the and basically, they got another letter back from the king saying to stop the building of the temple. Mm-hmm. And so, does anybody know how long the temple was was stopped and before they start rebuilding again? Okay, anybody in here have a wide margin Bible? Okay, that's why you have a wide margin Bible to put notes. Because I have a note in my Bible here, and you know what it says? It says there was it was stopped for fifteen years. So the first group that went back to rebuild the temple was stopped by by opposition for fifteen years. Perhaps this group that was building the wall was thinking about that. I don't know because they they put all effort to get that ball get that wall going and they were uh they they were making a strong effort to get it going and not let anything happen it was kind of like you know you know we have phrases like remember the alamo you know maybe their f- phrase was remember the temple with Zerubbabel and we're not going to allow that to stop us from building the wall i don't know but that wasn't that long before. So why did they have such a mind to get it done? And maybe they need to see it needed to get done. But anyway, I'm just pointing out that a few years earlier that the temple, the building of the temple had been stopped and it took another 15 years to get it back in building again. And maybe they didn't want that to happen to the wall. Okay. And so, um, so now we're down to verse 7 of Nehemiah chapter 4. So let's get back there and see if we can wrap the rest of this chapter up. <coughs> Nehemiah 4, 7. Okay. And here's another, what's the first word? But, again, watch out for those. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up, or being made up, and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, what is the beef? What's their beef with having them build the wall to the city? It's Israel. It's Israel. Mm-hmm. And they're not Israelis. 
same way today. Why is it such a beef over there? Mm-hmm. And it's like the Philist. I mean, the Philistine. No, not. I'm sorry, not Philistines. The Palestinians. Same thing. They want Israel wiped off the map. They don't want. They want control of the city. They want all that. These guys here, same thing. They don't want any prosperity for the Israelites. So where did I stop off? Verse uh, eight, or and they conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. Again, every time that uh, they get opposition, they just take it straight to the Lord. Perfect example for us. And they set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judas said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said that they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times. If you're a Bible student, go back and study that out. I won't spend time today with that. Uh, From all places which ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Ten, Ten is also the number of Gentiles, isn't it? Okay, just threw that in. Verse 13. Therefore, said I in the lower places behind the wall. When I first read that, I'm like, wait a minute. You're sitting down in the lower places behind the wall. Nehemiah isn't sounding like you. That kind of sounds cowardly. and I don't think he's a coward. But let's keep reading. And on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. Now, I'll just stop here. The reason he put the families on the high ground because they could see the enemy coming afar off. Where was Nehemiah at with his mighty guys? They were on the lowland, so they wouldn't be able to see him till they got on him. So he's caring for the people. This guy's a leader. Verse 14. And I looked and I rose up and I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, verse 14, Be ye not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Same thing today. I think they told, I think uh, the leaders of Israel told uh, the people, fortify yourselves and when people are at your door, you're going to have to fight. And you're going to have to fight for who? Your, your wives, your children, your families. Same thing. Different day. Verse 15. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to naught that we returned all of us to the wall, every man, everyone into his work. And, and I, I said man, but that's not right. Everyone, because there's men, women, children, all kinds of people working. Verse 16, And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, and the bows, and the habergoons. And the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. And they which builded on the wall and they which bear burdens with those that laid it every one with one in his hands wrought in the work and with the other hand held a weapon for the builders. Every one had his sword girded by his side and so builded and he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another. In what 
place, therefore you hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning until the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night that they may be a guard to us and labor in the day. So neither I, nor my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. So, I mean, they got unified here. Okay, so on our handout here, Sanballat, here's the walls are half built and he's wroth. Well, what's new? Like I said, um, that's what the Palestinians are always mad. The Jews, especially when the Jews are involved or actually anyone else. Anybody in here ever read or ever watched the movie? And I said I wasn't going to bring up movies, but I'm going to. The movie Lawrence of Arabia. Anybody watch that movie? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That movie's like five and a half hours long, isn't it? I remember once I had the flu and I sat on the couch all day and I was watching TV and I watched this. I thought, this is supposed to be a classic. I want to watch this. About halfway through, I was wanting to shoot myself. I'm like, it was bad. I mean, it was bad. But all the way to the end of the movie, they fight for a cause and then they won the battle that they were supposed to be at. This is based off a true story in World War One. And when they won the battle, all these, all these Muslim groups at that point, all these different Muslim groups, they won the battle, they had a big feast, the next day, they start fighting against themselves, and the rest of them start to go home. I'm like, they can't even have peace among themselves. And that was a great, I mean, I, I mean, I think God had me set through that whole thing. Maybe He gave me the flu just to get that idea. But I learned that from that movie. I'm like, this, these Muslims, these Palestinians, these Arabs, these Egyptians, they'll fight against a, a common enemy, but they'll fight against themselves when that enemy is defeated. And so it's the same thing with the Pakistanians, Afghanistanians, all those guys. They go to war during the week and they come home on the weekends and that's just their job to go to war. And I figured that out watching probably a show too. But anyway, let me get through this real quick and we'll call it good. So they're all mad and they plan to attack the Jews to hinder their building. And again, what's the beef? They hate it. They hate the Jews. And yet, if I remember right, at the beginning of Nehemiah, Nehemiah had a letter given to him by the king to all the governors of all the lands to get him to Jerusalem and to help him in whatever project he had going on. These guys are also against the king of Persia because if they're wanting to fight Nehemiah, keep that in the back of your head. So Nehemiah hears about this again. Second go around. Here we go again. And so he goes to God in prayer. But not only does he pray, he also puts a plan in effect. And in that plan, guards were appointed. Verse 9, the people for their safety were told to stay in Jerusalem with their families and be prepared to fight until the wall was finished. Up until that point, there was people living outside of Jerusalem that would come during the day to work on it. And then they got word that they were going to be attacked when they went back home. And especially at night or in the morning. And so Nehemiah says, okay, we're going to put a stop to that. Just bring your families to Jerusalem until we get the wall done. 
Nehemiah gives him a pep talk in verse 14 and 20. He tells him that the work is of God and uh, he's using them. Uh, the work was divided between those standing guard and working on the wall. Nehemiah is not taking any chances at this point. He's putting it all, he, he's putting a plan out here. And a trumpet was used to inform the people of any attack and for the people to come to that section and help them out. And so the focus of the people became the building of the wall and it became their main focus. So Sanballat hears of the Jews' preparations and he holds off attacking. Attacking goes in your blank for the time being. So, what do we learn from the story? Don't go against God's people? I guess that could be one. Um, when we're busy about serving the Lord, we're going to be attacked. We're going to have opposition. And we must have a plan to combat any opposition. So let me ask you, what is your uh, plan when you come across opposition in your life? What did Nehemiah do first? Pray. He prayed. He not only prayed, he put a plan in effect. And he kept serving. Mm-hmm. Now that is gold. I didn't come up with that. I'm like, man, that's really good, Bob. No, that's not, that's what's in the verses here. He prayed, he planned, and they continued the work for the Lord. That's what we need to be doing. There are so many Christians, they get off track. They get, they get their feelings hurt. Uh, they realize, you know, I'm beating my head against the wall trying to do this and everything is coming against me. And you know what? Sometimes it does. And you just have to make a plan and then keep going forward because we need to realize we're not serving us. We need to be serving the Lord. And that's the whole reason why we're here. God could have taken us home when we got saved. And we'd been in heaven walking down the streets of gold having a great time. But He left us here for a purpose. And that's to serve Him, to do a witness, to get the things out. You know, when we do the Bibles, I kind of liken it building the wall. When we're doing a Bible project, I'm like, this is a work for God. He's going to use it. And we need to work together to get it done. And when we do a Bible conference, we do that. But yet our group also does it individually. And I applaud all of you because, you know, we we can take a trip and not even leave the farm according to Jim Stafford, uh, by by putting our hands on getting things put together and then God's Word will go out. And you know what? I could, I could go on a mission trip. I could go over there and preach and teach, do whatever I want. But if I send the Word of God over there, what do you think is going to have more effect? The Word of God. And actually, if I go over and say anything that this word, the Word of God doesn't say, it ain't going to do anything anyway. And so... We have an opportunity in our church to work with missionaries. We have a missionary here that we're supporting today, going to be preaching. And yet, uh, how do we support him? Prayerfully, financially, and get them, get the guys the Word of God that don't have it. So, uh, kind of reminds me of this guy. So, uh, I applaud our church. I applaud our Bible group. Um, now, you know, I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back, but you know what? God takes notice. And I want to serve God because when I get to the judgment seat of Christ, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want him to say, well, you know, you're trying to do good, but man, your heart just wasn't there, Bob. You were cleaning that toilet. You just didn't have any joy, joy, joy down in your heart. (laughs) 
Okay, so I got to work on that, right? Okay, so let's let's stop and we'll go from there. So, so when you have that pity party, when you think you know, you know, you're the only one doing it, you know, it doesn't make any difference if anybody else sees what we do or not. The Lord sees, and that's the only one that gives us the reward. You know, it's not going to be Brian Hedges standing there at the judgment seat of Christ, giving us a high five, man. You did a good job. I mean, he'll be there, but. But it's going to be Christ, the one giving out the answer. So He's the ones we need to, we need to focus on. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, Nehemiah, the leadership that we see in that book, and the people uh, doing a service, a work for you, Lord. Even if it was building the wall, Lord. And Lord, uh, we need to have uh, walls built in our life, Lord. But they need to be done the right way. We, they need to be done by by uh, by you, Lord. So we just pray for guidance and direction in our lives, and I pray that we would be uh, like Nehemiah, that we would go to you in prayer, we'd put a plan in action, and we'd just keep serving you, Lord, no matter what the opposition that we have is. So I pray for that for this uh, group today, uh, our Bible group, our, our life issues group, uh, uh, the Sunday school classes, and our church in general, Lord, help us to be serving you with the attitude that we need to have, and uh, just bless us for it. In, in your name we pray, Amen. amen.